This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Crunchies So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Couldn't Help Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. This is a very exciting day. It is. Okay, guys, big uh, announcement in the uh, Couldn't Help But Wonder universe. Wonderverse. We have our first guest of the pod. Oh my god, we're breaking our guest cherry today. We are. This is uh this is our 10th episode and uh we're just, you know, we're doing it up big, we're doing it up raw and oh, we raw. we decided to get truly the ultimate <laughs> guest. Honestly, like I couldn't have chosen a better guest. Yeah, no. You um, couldn't have. I yes, he is um a brilliant stand-up comedian and writer and he consulted on Sex in the City. How would what yep. you, Yeah, right? Yep. You were a consultant yep. on Sex in the City. Sexy. Everybody Put your paws together for Greg. Yeah, welcome Uh, him. Thank you. Truly iconic, Greg. I'm not. I'm not saying that lightly. Oh, that is really. I really feel that way. Um, You're like a legend in many ways. Oh, you are. I wow. You were on fucking for you to run that by my daughters. Okay, yeah. I will. I'm going to call them right now. Let also, them know, be like, yeah. respect your pops. Yeah, right. Have a little, little bit of respect. Yeah. yeah, not for nothing. He also coined the phrase and wrote the book. Uh, he's just not that into you, which was a bestseller yes. and also became a movie. So can I say something about not just that, but yeah. also I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I went through to what is still considered in my head and heart, the hardest breakup I ever went through, I read the tell me the name of the bre- breakup book. It's the, called the, uh, it's called the breakup because it's broken. The breakup breakups because it's broken. Yeah, it yeah. is the I am. It truly was the only thing that made me feel better. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah. I'm because glad. I remember for that. I went to I remember talking uh, like when I was going through my breakup, I would call every woman in my family, like one after the other, just in rapid, like call my mom, get off the phone with her, then call my grandma, cry to her, call my aunt, cry to her, call my mom again. And it was just getting to a point where I was like, no one knew what to say to me. And I was like, there has to, and my therapist, 
he was great, but it wasn't cutting to the core of what I was experiencing. And I read that book and I was like, this is a fucking game changer. Every single person I know who's gone through a breakup, I'm like, get it. You have to get this book. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's huge. Anyways, back to Sex in the City and you. Mm. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Uh, You know, I was friends with Michael Patrick King and (gasps) uh, uh, and we had uh, done stand up together. Well, we were all part of the people that came out of the Uncabaret here in Los Angeles. What's Uncabaret? Tell us. So the Uncabaret Uncabaret was the original alternative comedy show kind of to, you know. Amazing. And uh, it's like a variety show kind of. Michael Patrick King was a stand up? No, yeah, Michael Patrick King was a stand-up. He, <gasps> he used to, he used to, when he was straight, he had a partner who was a woman, and then it, when he when he pretended to be straight. Wow! And then oh he came God. out, and this I think an he may have come out at Uncabaret, and and that's he where came he started out at Uncabaret. Being about his stand-up career, I think he'd come out in life, but he that's... came out about his stand-up career, and wow. he was because wow. the first thing he ever said to me was, "You were who I was trying to pretend to be when I was gay." I mean, when I was trying to be straight, when wow, I was trying to be straight, you were, you were the kind of guy I was trying to pretend to be a guy that like, you well, know, liked gay things, but maybe also like women. And he goes, but I just like gay things. Yeah. That's and so cool. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. He was really awesome. So, so we you were, were all doing we were buddies, together. And he directed my first HBO special. Wow. What? Yeah. So I had an HBO <gasps> special. It was a one man show thing called Mantastic. And he directed that. Everybody watched. And we became pals. And then with that, and I think that that, that was HBO sussing him out. And then wow, they liked fabulous. him, and they offered him. He and then Darren Stay and Darren Starr offered him the, the the job on Sex and City, and then Darren left after the first season. So, wow. uh, huh. uh, and I came in in the second season. Okay. Well, you, can, you can use language here, yeah? Yes. Oh, yeah, Greg. Okay, good. Drop Do the it lingo, up. Greg. Let's hear He's it. like, I came on the fucking second season. Mike, my, my, Michael <laughs> on the goddamn second season. This, this son of a bitch. What a motherfucker. What <laughs> a motherfucker. Just like oh. all trash for Let the rest of the <laughs> He was really, was really holding back till yeah, that moment. Just fucking really nothing sitting but on those F bombs. Let it go, no, Greg. Michael Patrick King, I ran, so I ran into him. I was doing an internet radio show and he was, he was a guest and, he said to me afterwards, hey, I'd love for you to come over to the show. The staff is seven women and two gay men, and we don't have anyone that knows what pussy tastes like. <gasps> How's that for a job? Oh, How's that for a job everything. offer? That's such a good it. way to get hired How about that for a job. It's truly and the I, best. I mean, I didn't know if he was kidding or not. I mean, You're like, like well, that, I don't eat pussy. <laughs> was like, he was like, ew, <laughs> ew, ew, ew Michael, oh, Michael, as if. The sights, the smells, the sounds. Yeah, <laughs> it's all too complicated. Oh, God. Uh, but anyway. Um, uh, well, he hired you to eat everyone out on the writing staff? He, yeah, he, I mean, sometimes yeah. they hire like yoga instructors to come by yeah, and, you know, right. loosen everybody up. That's and Greg right. was you, a resident pussy eater. Greg's the big deal. Greg, you in. seem funny. We think you'd be like a really like funny prostitute for the show. I would be a funny prostitute. I would be a funny prostitute. If I was a gigolo, there'd be a lot of me goofing off before I got to the work. I love this story, Greg, and I've never heard these things. This is a true story. So, so then I got, so then I got the job and, um, and, uh, so wait, were you living in New York at that time? No, 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 living in LA. Oh, wait. Sex and City yeah, wrote in L.A. They wrote in L.A. Shut up. Yeah, they wrote in exclusive L.A. Exclusive after exclusive. Oh, yeah, so they wrote in L.A. and then they would fly back and and, and shoot the show. Wow. So, yeah, so all the writers had to be able to go both places. How did you enjoy wow. being on the staff? I liked it. I didn't go to New York with them because I only consulted. Yeah. I love being on the staff. It was like being on a. It was like being on the Yankees or something. Mm. It was like being because they were winning. They were already winning by the time I joined the staff. You know, by the second season. You should say that they there. weren't until you got on and then it exploded. What I did was I changed the whole show. There you go. Uh, I'm responsible for most of it. <laughs> okay, okay, so wait, so you okay? So you came on. You started consulting. Yeah. 
And what what is a consulting job so on that show look like? Really easy. It's the best job in show business. Tell you me. come in once a week, and they as they're breaking story or trying to pitch ideas, and you just put in your two cents, and then they ask you questions, and then they'll say to you, "Does this track for a straight guy? Does this track?" You know, does big seem too, is he too big? Is it too much? Is wow, it too, that's is he, so interesting. You know, is Aiden being weak here, too weak? <gasps> is this how Aiden would act? And, and we had fights about Aiden all the time. Oh my God, why did and, you have fights about Aiden all the time? Uh, because I felt like it really was the trope of like the good guy gets shit on, you yeah. know, like he really was a good guy. Right. He was a decent guy. But then they would do things that made you, like by putting him in his tidy whities which was so unfair because it made you kind of go, ew. Oh, really? I kind of like Teddy Whitey's, but I don't remember seeing him. Oh, I do. It was the chicken episode. Yeah, was that, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he yeah, eats that's chicken. Deep, that's deep. That's deep. What, what's the word? Emasculating? Is that emasculating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. And like the, you know, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done one day with the wedding ring around the chain. Mm-hmm. Right? You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and tell it, us. Tell us about remember that. Remember when she gets the wedding yeah, ring? And, yeah, place, yeah, yeah. Of course. And, uh, Iconic. Once um, again. Uh, he had picked out a ring for her and then he picked out the wrong one, yes. which is my story. Really? That was my story. If I picked the wrong wife, ring for my wife. What do you mean you picked the wrong one? She didn't like it? She didn't like it. Oh, my God. It's it, traumatic. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It all worked out. Yeah, you guys are good. You know? Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so so yeah, like little pieces of everybody's life just made it right into that's, the, I, any story. This you was know. My, I mean, you've been in writers' rooms, well, you know. It's, I was going to say specifically with this show, and I probably have said this on the podcast before. You can tell that these were things that happened to people because the specificity. Yeah, it, it you can't make that up. No, you can't you can't fake that kind of accuracy. Yeah, the, the post-it note thing. I remember the morning it happened, it. and she come came in and told the story. Cindy Shupak came yep. in and told the story, and everybody just went. Oh, wow. That's Wait, insane. So she truly was broken up with, with on a, a post-it, post-it note. I, that blows my mind. And she came in with no intention of pitching it. She was literally, a lot of times we would just tell each other what was going on. This is so cool. I'm so happy that you're you on know, our pod right now. And Michael would take a lot of time to, like, there would be days where we would, we, like, we spent a lot of time on that. And he would, there were certain days where he would uh, say, I don't want to work at all today. I just want to discuss whether soulmates are a real thing or not. And that's all we're going to do today. Wow. And so that's it. And then, you know, and then there were days where, so cool. uh, uh, and then there were days where there were hard work, you know, but, but, but my job was really pretty easy and pretty, mm-hmm. lu- and I was pretty lucky. And although I was paid very little, you know, in show business terms, uh, I had my own card at the end, uh, on the, on the credits. Which and then the huge. old days people looked at the credits cause there was nothing to do until the next show. There also weren't off. a lot of credits on that show. Oh my God. There weren't. No, I remember seeing your name. I, I, yeah. I, I feel like there aren't that many shows where I really like, you know, maybe prior to being in this business where I like remember the people who work on it. And I remember like Jenny Bix, Jenny Bix. Right. Like you keep seeing it come yeah, up. Like you right, remember right. these names. Cindy Shupak, though, it wasn't it's like a, that and Friends, I feel like I remembered who wrote on it. Like right. because of the way they did the credits. Right. And at the beginning of the first season, I really think for some reason, I feel like it was it was Michael, Jenny and Darren. Uh-huh. I don't know that there were that many people, you know. Um, uh, That's so interesting that like you spent a lot of time trying to like sort of protect or defend Aiden. That's really interesting. Well, you just start to get, you know, if you work on an issue, you get attached to the characters. And then you start also thinking, well, I'm actually defending the way men behave. So it's really interesting. You know, if a guy's sort of evolved and decent to be around, but we're saying he's not worth the time and and then Big comes in and Big's all Touch. trouble. Yeah. He's trouble. He's been was trouble from the get go. He was never the right person. He was always this idea. That's something we talk about a lot. Yeah. How we're kind of surprised that they end up together because I, watching the show now as adults, he's sort of like he negs her all the time. He puts her down. It's kind of weird that she likes so, him so much. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, just 
I would love for you to talk a little bit really quick about that. Like what like what was the role of like what was the intended role of Big? Like what was what was he supposed to represent or like bring out in Carrie? I think he was meant to be specifically the guy that's the thing you couldn't have that you want that you wanted. It was it was to sort of lock into the idea of women's obsession with somebody despite all the information they're getting about huh. him, right? You know, that, that she's trying to make it work in her head all the time. She's trying to make him work. And he's actually, for the most part, pretty forward, straightforward about who he is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's something also very, he's the most masculine guy on the show. He does sort of seem like a white knight. He does, you can tell he does love Carrie to the best of his ability. Of his that's ability. what he mm-hmm. just, yeah. that's what he's just God. not that into means. It means that they're just not, there's a, there's a lot of checks in the yes, but there's enough, enough. in the no mm. to let you know, yeah. no, thank you. And it's also that thing of like, he does, he drip feeds her enough Bread nuggets crumbs, yeah. of this is I love you just enough to keep her interested, right. you yeah. know, biting right. at the bait. Right. Yeah. And, what he's, you, yeah. He, and he's based on an old school idea of men about how right. men how about how men are, you know, uh, really consumed with work and don't want to be tied down and, you know, all that stuff. Did that come up in the room? Like, did people talk about sort of I mean, I know toxic masculinity is like a newer term. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. We weren't there yet. You but, weren't there yet. But it was definitely discussed. I mean, that's why I think. I think at the beginning he was meant to be this sort of ideal, but they really wanted to explore the sex part of it. Hmm. Like people forget like that it was sex heavy every week and yes. every week they tried to explore some new eating ass or whatever it was. Right. They wanted to explore something you hadn't heard or hadn't been said. And it's so true. that was important. And then there was the friendship, which was also super important, which you get from the episode that we're going to talk about. There's like a, yeah. there's a scene in there that's just everything. And, and, uh, and then, and then you wanted to track their four story, you know. And they were all they were all different archetypes, really. Of, and and of were the, any white of women were those? Yes, of course. So <laughs> many, white so many, women. The four different, so many different shades of white. The archetypes that we We've all got know. Tan, of. more tan, slightly less tan, That's right. extremely pale, pale. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, so, did you feel like those um, those four women, like, were any of the writers in the room sort of specifically there to service one particular character? Or like, you know, what I mean? like, um, uh, like, did you feel like you were brought in to kind of like be the voice of Big and Aiden more or just sort of generally help out? Generally help out. And yeah. then as the show evolved and there were I had a I got married around that time. I had a baby around that time. So I kept growing at the same time as the show. So I had information on about all of those oh, things cool. as things went along. That's yeah. really cool. And um no, I think everybody there wasn't like a Charlotte. There wasn't like a, I mean, you could tell people had their favorites, but um um, but the show really is about Carrie. Yeah. You know, it really is like we all, you know, and Carrie, the thing, interesting thing about the show was Michael wouldn't let take notes from HBO. <gasps> That's awesome. And the only person Did he would take notes, notes from. they have a lot of notes? They didn't, but they, I mean, networks, they can. Yeah. They yeah. can have a ton of notes sure. if you want to. Did he sure. just say no? He just said, yeah, he just, he just, that. he just, uh, he cool. only notes he took were from Sarah. Sarah was very powerful. It, from the get go, it was you know she 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 was a presence in the room always. I mean she wasn't there, but cool. she was always there. You know, um, was she an EP right away? I believe she was. Oh, yeah, cool. So I she had a lot of creative was. say. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and you can sort of tell, and it and it um, is she a little bit like Carrie? Like, was her personality sort of similar in some ways? I would say, yeah, that's so cute. Mm. I would say, I would say, I mean, she was, uh, yeah. I mean, Carrie's. I don't, I don't think she's. Um, uh, Carrie made some bad choices. You know, I think she's probably a little bit. Uh, although I don't know, I don't know her personally, but she was lovely. She was lovely. She was by far the the. Uh, she and uh, Samantha were the friendliest. Oh wow, how cool. Control. I mean, they were all friendly. All they were friendly. all nice. Sure, but, sure, but sure. What kind of shit would are you starting, your, Greg? She would remember your name and then say your name to That's you the great. next time she saw you. That's like, nice. she's really, I mean, she's been in show business every second of her life, pretty much. Grammy so. Rhapsody, so funny. Yeah, but oh, she was cool. She I was good to people. I forgot about that. She's so cute in that movie. Yeah, First Wives Club, too. I love that She's character. good in everything. She's good in everything. Um, yeah, leaving Las Vegas. Or not leaving Las Vegas, uh, week, uh, with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah, leaving Las Vegas. Leaving. Yeah. Uh, no, that's the no. other. That is, he's in that where he's yeah, the alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. This is the one where they go get married in Vegas. Oh, I don't know. And there's know. all the Elvises that jump out of the airplanes. Oh, oh yeah, it's really that's a cute. cute one. That's a really cute one. I forget yeah. the name of it, but I it's a good movie. I know it. I just rewatched her in Ed Wood, and she's great. In oh, that yeah. oh, right. I forgot awesome. about that. Yeah. Oh, my God, I forgot about yeah, that. So she's cool. the one that has all the Angora, right? Yeah, like early on, she's uh, with Johnny Depp as Ed, and like she's the one who like objects to him getting into this weird world that he's getting into that's and right. falling in love with. Hmm. I also appreciate the fact that like I think she's so beautiful and fabulous, but she's not like Jessica Beale. Like she has her own little kinky curly Jewish yeah. girl face and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, she just she just was I mean, she was able to cross all, all she crossed over to everybody. Everybody kind of liked her. I think the fact that she wasn't uh, just stunning, you know. And I, I don't, Makes her more uh, relatable. Yeah, She's super yeah, hot yeah, yeah, and yeah. fabulous. And I don't and mean that to be reductive at all. But no, no. what you're saying too, there's a real human quality to her, where Absolutely. you could, where you could see her being somebody that is in your circle. Exactly. Yeah, you want her, yeah, she's your friend. Yeah, totally. Before we get into, I was a total. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of like, you know, editorials written about how Carrie was like really selfish yeah. and narcissistic and all these things. And I'm just curious if that ever came up in the room or sort of how what what was sort of like um, like Carrie's flaws that were discussed. Well, it's I, funny I when like you're writing it, you're living it moment to moment, yeah, just like okay. a person. So you don't see it. And then when it all comes together, you you can make those assumptions. But I think that's also what makes. I mean, if you look at all of the great, you know, look at Don Draper on Mad Men. He's one of the world's worst people. <laughs> but we follow him and we want him to pull it together. We want him to stop drinking. We want him to stop cheating on all of uh, and his wives and stop cheating on his girlfriend. Yeah. Like we want him to like we want the era to change. Like so I think the flaws are important. And and she, she was a writer. She writes about herself. Her life is her thing. So there's some narcissism yeah. in it for sure. And she is selfish. She doesn't, you know, in the episode we're going to talk about, you know, they they want their lives exactly the way they want their lives. And the, anything that's a distraction from it seems ill. You know, that's sort of selfish. Right. It's so funny because I maybe we haven't gotten deep back deep enough. We're only on episode 10, season one. Yeah. But in rewatching, she doesn't come off particularly selfish to me yet. Maybe that happens later, but I'm not getting that. Are you? No, I also. Yeah, that's why I, I was curious, because I whenever I read that, I'm like, well, I mean, everyone's selfish to a degree, and we are following things from her perspective. So she doesn't yeah, come I, off particularly like self-centered. She really cares about her friends. I think it probably started to develop around the time that she was like cheating on Aiden, and you know, she, she kind of Aiden, makes some more like self-serving and decisions. And then she ends up cheating on, and then she's cheating with Big, and the girlfriend comes and catches her, yeah. and she's going down the stairs. That like, was it, fucking and crazy. And then, and, and what's great is the show knew that, and then she goes to Charlotte, and Charlotte's like, I, I'm not on your side. Yeah. You know, so like, it, you know, like I think 
that's what makes a great television character. Somebody that you go, I don't really care for you this week. I don't know. You know what I mean? I That's think cool because it's like real, like people. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you get the same thing over and over again. You get bored. You know, right. can we ask you one more question before yeah. we jump into the segment? I'm just curious about your personal opinion. How do you feel about Carrie ending up with big just you as a human man? Oh, I don't care for it. Cool. Mm. I like that. Neither do I. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't you know, there's a, it. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think, but I think for storytelling, it's great. It's important, yeah, because then that means a story continues. Because you're there's a part of you that goes, this doesn't last. Yeah, wow. that's so interesting. It's not final. It'll never yeah, be. We all final. know in the back of our heads. We know everything about the two of them. Yeah. We know their whole history. Jesus we know Christ. how it is, and we and wow. we, and there's nothing ever that made him change significantly except his age. Yeah. His age and his heart sort of, problem. That's what I mean. That's like his yeah. suddenly his having to maybe it's time to settle down. It's like that's not a, a real change. I know that was wow. so when that happened when it was just like oh he had like a whatever had to have a bypass surgery and then he's like Carrie yeah. I love you. You're just like wait you. it took <laughs> you like almost dying to a appreciate what you had like yeah. also you're like oh who's gonna take care of me when I I'm like know. shitting my pants. Ugh. And she's not right for him either. Like we never That's look at it from his perspective. We never Expand look at his perspective. That. She's too doting. She's too into him. She's not an wow. equal partner. She's never on equal footing with him. She's not a partner. Oh my god! That's, oh my god! Greg, Greg is she's like a I can't. I can't. Yeah, she's I'm like, like obsessed. Yeah, she's like <gasps> that is so interesting. Yeah. Greg, okay, yeah. Greg, we're gonna go into our. You're you're incredible. We could do this all we're day. Obsessed. Okay, uh, we're gonna go into our first segment. Maybe Jamie and I will go first just to get your mind kind of juicing up. Yeah, Jamie, yeah. who are you this week? Um, this week, once again, I was a full carry and just in the most literal sense, I was off on script on the show that I'm writing on and, uh, was just like type, type, type in a way. Uh, I, I, I'm so thrilled to be here with you guys. You don't even know. I was truly like in the cave of my office for seven days and started to like hunch over and I feel like Quasimodo. And I think my voice even sounds weird. I think it affected my vocal cords. Wow. You'll never be the same. I don't, I don't know. Oh if I don't know. The script if, changed her. Now, honestly, there was. There was before script and after script, and things are different now. So I'm very literally Carrie. A Carrie Bradshaw. Well, proud of you. Thanks. Who are you? Um, I think I was a Charlotte because I just started the egg freezing process. Oh! Yes. I'm wow. 35, going to be 36 in July, and I'm single, and I know I definitely want to have my own kids, which I know is considered very selfish because there's like a million kids that you could just adopt, but no, no. whatever. Do we, no. So I am have a baby. Gonna, I do. I really want to have a... I also say, think that People like... People are going to keep having them. Yeah, I really yep. want... I, want I, think they're, I think they're catching on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they're a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I want a baby and having this dog that I just recently adopted has made me realize that I really love caretaking and nurturing mm. and that like I really it's kind of confirmed that I do want to be a mother, did you, which is perfect for this episode, actually. Yeah, it is. It totally ties in. Um, did you uh, get what did you have to do? Blood test? Yeah, we had to do a blood test. Yeah. And then um, I have to be on birth control for two weeks. And then I have to give myself a bunch of hormones and shots. Yeah. And then the second week of July. So if I'm on the pod in July and I'm just like crying for nothing, it's because I'm. My body thinks it's pregnant. Yep. And then they'll take out as many eggs as they can. It's no, not a guarantee. I just feel like I'll feel more relaxed in dating and just in my life knowing that I have some some eggs on ice. Yeah, that's great. 
congrats. Thanks. And we're here for it. Thanks, lovey. And Greg, who, who are, are you this week? Man, I don't know. I, I would have to say Carrie, too, only because I'm in the same writing jag that you are. I'm writing, yeah. an, auto, I'm writing an autobiography, so I'm writing it. Really? And I'm reading it, doing it as a journal, so I have to write every day. Wow. And it can't just be entries of, like, I went, you know, to the, gi- to the gym. What yeah. is the what is the the premise of the book, if you can talk about it? The premise of the book is at the beginning of it, uh, 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 I'm a 56-year-old white male in show business struggling to try and stay kind of in show business while uh, my kids are growing up and leaving in my uh, and I have cancer. I don't have cancer right now. I'm cancer-free. But okay. at the beginning of the book, I have cancer. I was just diagnosed with cancer. Wow. wow. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, so it just is. I, it was just a thing I wanted to write. I just started. I was talking How with my agent. How could you agent. not write about that? That's yeah. so important. There's so much. Yeah, I need yeah, to yeah. read my this My daughters book. are, you know, it's just one of those things where it's mm. all of this stuff's happening at once. And and, uh, and I talked to my agent about it. He goes, just write about your experience right now. Just write about you're that. You're such a good writer. I'm really oh. thrilled that you're telling that thank story. Thank you. So are you. I just read your book. Oh, thanks. Also, not to tie it back to my book. But, but I did it love did, your book. But, oh, thank you for saying that um, ridiculous go for it go go get it um if you feel like it but um i i i very much relate to the having to write every day because my book was also a journal style where i was like documenting over the course yeah. of it's a, it's a weird experience to go through it is and, yeah. you're, and because you're you're trying to write well but you're also trying to write Hit honestly a page count and yeah yep. and some of it when you go back you're like god i was so bitter <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you yeah, reread yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. fuck this needs editing <laughs> yeah or it gets super super sad you're like yeah. oh my god how dark is this where was i did i write this on the edge of a cliff yeah but that's good though because i think that it, if you were to tell that it, yeah it's good that you're um kind of going through it every day because i think then the emotions you're tracking the emotions even more right and then i back up and tell stories that lead back up to the moment so I, right. so it's, it's got both things happening at once god what a project fun, fun to write though it's yeah, fun to know good. you have to write every day as opposed to like sitting down to write fiction every day where you're like i don't have to write it today right you know or whatever even with the even with the relationship books it's like i don't have to write today but this one i have to write today yeah Oh, great. Ugh, so thrilled to have you. We're going to kick off the episode. Today we are covering season one, episode 10, called The Baby Shower. So the episode starts with the gals getting an invitation to a baby shower. Dun, dun, dun. It's for their old friend, Lainey Berlin, who used to be a crazy party girl, but gave it all up to be a suburban Stepford wife in Connecticut. None of the gals want to go to the baby shower except for Charlotte, of course. Roll clip. Come on, you guys, it'll be fun. We've never even been to visitor in Connecticut. Exactly, there's a reason for that. Lyme disease? That's another good one. But it's a baby shower. No, it's a cult. It's a cult? What are you talking about? Listen to me. They all think the same, dress the same, and sacrifice themselves to the same cause. Babies. She's insane. Hey, I've lost two sisters to the motherhood. I know what I'm talking about. I think we should go, it's the right thing to do. Give me one good reason. Okay, you're driving down the road, you see a sign, it says two-headed snake, you pull over. Wild Laney is having a baby shower, you pull over. She's got a point, it's the right thing to do. Just imagine how fat she must be. God, that was so sexual, the way Samantha said that. <laughs> just imagine how fat like she, she must just wants be. to feast on her flesh. <laughs> yeah, I just want to eat her tummy. Um, Greg, what are your, what are your thoughts on... Uh, 
It's funny listening to that. You know, their pace is so different than it got. It really, they had a patter by the end and they would talk. It would be much faster. Those, yeah. jo- those jokes would come in much quicker. That's This so is just laying a joke yep. after joke. You sort of almost are, get the jokes in slow motion, you know, as opposed to how they got when they would sit around the table at, at coffee and all that kind of stuff. They just, they all had their characters. So they're still developing in this a little bit, it feels like. Yeah, it has kind of a porn pacing. It does have a <laughs> It, it does. does have a porn that pacing. Is That's so, so funny. funny Jamie. <laughs> porn pacing. Hashtag this episode is called porn pacing. Yeah. That's so funny, yeah, Jamie. That's, that's kind of a, I've never even heard that before. That's so accurate. It's, it's just very, everything is just sort of like, do you guys want to go to the baby shower? I'm going to yeah, say my Yeah, I guess li- I yeah, want to go to Connecticut, but I don't know about Lyme's disease. Like, it's just very like, oh, It's like oh. an erotica novel. Yes. <laughs> right. And everyone's like, I'm going to wait till you're done with your line pause. And now I'll speak. Like, they're, That's you know, yeah. And they're all, all, all of them are good actresses and we're oh, good actresses so going well into acted. this. Oh, it's so Yeah. Um, but, uh. But it takes a while for that, you know, the, if you, the two headed snake and then you got, and then Eleni having a baby is also something you want to look at. Like you're like, right. you know, well, Greg, do you think, uh, do you agree with Miranda? Do you think motherhood is a cult? Uh, I, I, I do. And I, I mean, I don't have the same disparaging look at, at, at parenthood as they do in this, but I do think it is a thing that once you are in it, you're in a cult. Tell like us about get, that. You just can't help it. It's like, uh, and these cults come up for the rest of your life as you get ma- marriage is a cult oh, unto itself, and you're already yeah. you're then you're suddenly with married people talking marriage stuff, and then the next thing you know you have kids, and then kids is another cult, and then schools. Well, family are a is a cult. Family's the ultimate but cult. What are we well, talking true. about when we say cult? What what do we mean? But we've just be- before we were married, we've spent a lot of time at, at pushing away from the cult. We've been pushing away from the cult, and we've been pushing away from the cult. We've been trying to find our own person and start our own cult. And then we do, and that just drags us right back into the bigger cult. And then you're right. Then you're back with family, which is a cult. And then you have a baby, <laughs> and you become the two single most important people in the world. Like you're the most important people in the world. You're having a baby. Like there's just nothing really more important than what you're going through. And what you're going through, it will feel like something no one's ever gone through because you can't ex- you can't do it until you. That's experience pretty cool. It. So it's neat and it's cool, but at the same time. You hear people talk about it and you're like, God, I want to hang myself. Mm. I feel like it's the kind of thing where obviously I'm going to bring it back to my dog because that's what I do. But it's well, the same dogs thing as, are babies. Well, I, we've yep. said this. They well, are. Well, totally. before I had a dog. Baby adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, what is it called? A, like a starter baby. Sure. Starter baby. Love but, it. But before I had a dog, I have friends who had dogs and they would tell me dog stories and I'd be like, fucking shoot me. And now that I have dogs, a dog, I like call people and be like, I don't know, his stool's kind of soft. I'm not sure what I should do. They're like, why are you telling me about yeah, this? Yeah, I know. It's yep. like, it, it becomes changes. Interest, things that are boring become interesting to you once you're in it. Because yeah, it's I, yours. It's like, yeah, you start to, yeah. It, yeah, I, I, I know, think as a sing, like whatever, as a single childless person, when I was a single childless person, I always was like the minutia that people would go into about their kid, like just little things like, yeah, I mean, like whatever the baby's born. She's like, she, yeah, she hasn't burped in three minutes. And I'm like, how is this real conversation care? <laughs> I was even like, this is going to sound really mean. But even when people are like, she took a step. I'm like, yeah, well, she's going to do that because they Jamie? grow. Yep, yep. But I was like, these are my thoughts. I was like, they, they step like we all step. Jamie, I can't wait till you have a kid and takes a step. Uh, and exactly. you're just like slow clapping. I'm going to be I'm going to call everyone. I'm going to Skype oh, them the in. Yeah. But but when you don't <laughs> understand why so the growth is why tracking the growth feels so good. Yeah. You can't know it until you have it. I is my see, point. You can't know until you have a kid. 
I want to, sorry, go ahead, Greg. I was going to say, I think at the core of any cult is love. So, so mm. you love your dog. And so you, you have a, you have a relationship that nobody else is having with it. And so they're not as interested. So when you have babies, you talk to other people because they're going to have babies and they're going to love their babies and they love each other because they're having a baby for the most part. Yeah. And so those things are always like the thing that you want to think about and talk sweet. about all the time. You know, mm. it's just like, I mean, it's something like that when you like a band and you're like, you want to talk about the band and your friends like, I really don't care. And you're like, but you don't understand. That's a good analogy for single people. People you know, who, you, who aren't you, married. when you just love something so much, you have to, there's a place you get coffee and you're like, no, but you don't understand the way that they, the way that they make a latte is different. The foam, I have to tell you, you know, you get into it. So a baby is like a, a bigger version of like, oh my God, it's great. It's also terrifying. Well, this episode, this part of the episode kind of brought up this n- notion that I've been thinking about a lot, which is that, you know, when we talk about motherhood or when the girls are talking about motherhood as a cult, I think that motherhood has kind of started to look very sort of Etsy, very like commercial. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, decorating the nursery. And there's sort of like this aesthetic of welcoming this life mm-hmm. into your family and and sort of a status that happens where you're like, I'm part of this club now because I have one of these, one of these being a baby. Mm-hmm. But I think I think, and then that's to me when, as a childless person, again, that is very scary to me because I'm like, oh, that that part of it, like this sort of cult mentality, that's something that I don't know if I'm ready to join, and it actually makes um, having a kid even scarier to me. Is that separation of like, oh, we're going to this sort of next level, and like, I kind of like the level I'm at. I wish I could just like add a kid to the level I'm at, versus like. Am I making any sense? Like versus like evolving. But then what I realized recently is that like when did like having a baby stop being sexual? Because it is really primal. It's like put a fucking baby in me. That's like how into you I am. Right. So that's what I want to get back to. And that's how we do other. We want to make another person. I want a little like like, receipt for fucking in me. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Wow. That's a a pretty, that's a, that's a solid receipt. That is so good. Here's one I can substantiate. Here's one fuck that I did for sure. Let's hear it. Here's the thing. No, I'm saying when you have a baby. That's so funny. When you write your baby book, what you'll talk about is big baby because that's the same thing as Mm, big wedding, mm -hmm. which I loved in your book. Yeah. Where you you. talk about the bigger sort of um, uh, it's almost existential. Oh, big bridal. uh, I'm sorry. What did I say? I I wasn't correct. I just wanted to make sure. No, no, no. Big bridal. That's what I meant. Big bridal. (laughs) Which was so good in in your book. Big bridal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, there's big baby too where there's all these (gasps) opinions and all all these different things. But eventually, some of those things become important in your life. And you realize like, oh, yeah, diaper genie is actually kind of an amazing thing where you put the, the shitty diaper in the thing and it wraps itself up. And then you take them all out it, like, oh, my God, that's amazing. How does it do that? Like you and, and it solves a problem that you are currently having. You know, all the stuff you're talking about, these are problems that I am currently having that are epic to me because there's just this thing is a nonstop shitting and eating machine that doesn't really even like me that much yet and is and but we're and we're awake so you're you're in a thing that is so indescribable the only people you can share it with are other well i think that's a perfect tie back into the show because i think that's what the girls are experiencing is it's us versus them the people that are moms and us single people and i think both groups feel sort of threatened by each other yes Mm. because when they get there i mean i don't want to skip ahead but you know they they get treated like outsiders So maybe we should. Yeah, let's go into it. Go ahead, James. Okay. Uh, So when Carrie puts the baby shower on her calendar, she realizes her period is four days late. Uh Uh-oh. 
Could Carrie be cooking up a baby big? We'll find out. AKA, obviously not. This show is called Sex in the City, not Moms in the Country. In the next scene, the core four meet up to drive up to the Connecticut baby shower together. When the gals get to the burbs, they stick out like Wednesday Adams at a Taylor Swift concert. They're wearing all black, look super chic, and have this single girl swag that the Connecticut moms find extremely threatening. The baby shower scene is all pastel pinks and passive aggression. When Lainey opens her gifts, Charlotte is in seventh heaven, Miranda is desperate to leave, Samantha gets drunk, and Carrie has a private freakout. Is Carrie ready to be a mom? Taking a breather in the bathroom, Carrie ponders how much she would change if she had kids and what parts of her personality would remain. Then we go into a little montage where the moms address the camera and talk about how they used to have these fun, exciting, slutty lives before motherhood. As the party winds down, Charlotte finds out that Lainey wants to name her baby Shayla if it's a girl. Charlotte freaks out because Shayla was the name she wanted for her future baby, and she confided that to Lainey years ago. Drunk and over it, Samantha calls Lainey a bitch, and the gals book it back to Manhattan. And on their way home, they stop at a pub for drinks and a debrief after the humiliating baby shower. Charlotte feels like a failure because she doesn't have a baby yet. Miranda is shocked at how these moms, who used to have great careers and big lives, have become these domestic dodos. Carrie tries to defend motherhood, saying she knows tons of cool moms who still have great careers and lives. Samantha asks her to name one, and Carrie can't. Instead, she confesses to her friends that her period is seven days late. That night, Charlotte opens up her dream box where she keeps pictures of things she wants in her life, like a 90s version of Pinterest. In the box are cutouts of her dream home, her dream man, JFK, Ovs, and a gift for her future baby. Feeling frustrated and sad, she rips up all the pictures. On day eight of no period, Miranda accompanies Carrie to buy a pregnancy test. But Carrie worries. Does she have what it takes to be a mother? Carrie held hostage. Day eight. Miranda and I went shopping. I'm on total ovary overload. Which kind do I get? Here. This one's on sale. Half off. Sweetie, I just spent $395 on a pair of open-toed Gucci's last week. This is not the place to be frugal. All right. What about this one? Oh, first response. I remember first response. I had a very reassuring moment once with first response. Here's hoping. (laughs) What if I am? If you am, you am. I don't think I'd be very good at this. I mean, am I maternal? Um, you know, when I was a little girl, I left my favorite baby doll out in the rain for four days. Her face peeled off. That can't be good. Yeah, but I mean, if you... I shaved my Barbie's head when I was mad at her. (laughs) When I was little, I took a rubber band and put it around my dog Pepper's snout. What? God. They're so fucking cute. I know. I I love the line... If you am, you am. That was so sweet. Me too. It also is like, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, it's, I like these types of scenes with Carrie and Miranda because you kind of see that like Carrie and Miranda are kind of the real really the, the tightest. I think so. I think so. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. Like in the moments where Carrie's really struggling she talks and to really Miranda. needs a rock, she talks to Miranda. Yes. Miranda's the most sensible one of the group for the, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the easy, like the, I mean, you know, they're all, they're all great, but it, yeah, it definitely, I love when she says, uh, the thing about leaving the baby doll out in the rain God. that explains her that explains her character almost That's better than anything oh in the whole thing. Yes. Like, like it's just not her interest. She doesn't have those maternal 
And she's never really particularly a maternal person. That not, doesn't mean she's not a good person, but she does not seem like anyone who's at all interested in what little children are doing or how children are, you know. Which is really whereas, edgy, actually. Yeah. And whereas, like, they make mm-hmm. Charlotte immediately, like, of course she's interested. Of course Charlotte. Of course Charlotte has big feelings about kids, you sure. know. Sure. Uh, I, I think that's so interesting what you just said, Greg, because it's like there is sometimes a stereotype that sex in the city fans are kind of like basic bitches. Sometimes there's that sorority girl stereotype. But the main character is so not that it's like Carrie's like a career woman who I, I feel like it's pretty edgy that the main character of this show in the 90s is a woman who like doesn't know if she wants to have kids like that's pretty I don't know, kind of revolutionary to me. And this whole episode, I think, the fact that it's from the perspective of people who are like, ew, kids is huge. It's huge. Plus, also, I mean, in the psychology of it, she really wanted a relationship. She wouldn't pick big. That's interesting. And when she does pick mm -hmm. a relationship, which is Aiden, she's wildly uncomfortable. That's really interesting. Well, the intimacy terrorifies her. Right. Or the the, the consistency terrifies her. I have a question for you about that. Yeah. Both of you. Do you think that if the relationship, if her relationship with Big was stronger, more solid, do you think that she'd be as scared as she is about being pregnant? Mm -mm. Do you think this is like, I feel like the subtext of this is like, how am I going to tell Big? And he's going to be pissed. Or like, I don't know. There's like this feeling of like, we can't do this This together. This can't happen. Yeah, this can't happen. I I have the feeling of like, she's going to abort the kid. Like, that's how it feels to me. Like, she can't, not just because of what she can't handle, but because like, I don't feel like she, the subtext is that Big wouldn't really support her in the way she Totally, I agree with you on that. And that's where a little bit of the panic is coming. Yes, of course. And also, uh, that it was absolutely a mistake. It was absolutely a you know something that they just didn't think about. And um, uh, and just, these girls don't want to compromise anything about their lives. They're not ready to. They're not ready to change any. I mean, Charlotte is, I guess, more. Yeah. That's why we see the box and all that. That she's looking for that yeah. Irish Catholic thing. But but for the rest of it. Um, those other girls don't really want it. That's so cool, though. They don't want it. That's what I think is so cool, because it's like, like you had mentioned Don Draper, it's like, in so many TV shows and in real life, it's like, guy, like uh, fucking George Clooney, it's like, listen, I have this great life. I just want to live my great life. Like, women aren't really encouraged or taught to just, like, be selfish and live their great lives. And, and we're always like, oh, there's this, like, social assumption, like, oh, you're a woman, I bet you're, like, dying to get married and have kids. And it's kind of a hip show, because it's like, yeah, we're not, we're not, feeling that way. I think that's so cool. Well, and they make the point in this that Samantha's never going to have a kid. Yeah. Because she's 40, I suppose, in this And she episode. doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, no, she... Yeah, she... Yeah, yeah, that's... I think that's what's so lovely, too, is um, how unapologetic Samantha is. It's so interesting to me, just a quick sidebar about, like, that the whole thing was like, Samantha's the slutty one. It's like, not... Re- like, no, I don't know. I really... As I rewatch this, I really don't see her that way. Like, n- right. also, s- slut-shaming is now, like, a thing that we're talking about, and right. there are conversations being had just now an adult doing what she wants. being had then. But even that, I'm like, oh, I just don't even see her that way, like, at all. And I don't know if that means I've changed as a viewer re-watching this, or if it just was... Ki- or that's just the times we were living in, where we're, it was like... Um, what It's like the Monica Lewinsky thing, where we're just like, oh, she's the one who blows people like there's a little <laughs> you know what I mean like Jamie. now, no, but that is, now that we're that like was poor the, Monica that, like she was groomed you right? know totally. yeah, 
Finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was the reaction. I mean, we really have, I mean, we really are, like, it's that weird thing where you don't even think of yourself as puritanical, yet your reactions to sex are puritanical, or you or you have to you have to look at somebody and decide whether that, that that's too much or not enough, as opposed to it really doesn't matter. It doesn't so, matter, yeah. It doesn't matter. It never it has mattered. It's never mattered. No. I also think it's so ironic that, like, people get judged for not—I do want to have kids, but I have friends that don't, and they, they feel really judged. And I think it's so insane that we judge people who don't want to have kids because it's so— the opposite of selfish to say, I wouldn't be a good parent, so I'm not going to do this expensive thing that leaves a huge carbon footprint. It's the opposite of selfish. It's like, you know what's really selfish is taking your ideas and throwing it on somebody who doesn't want them. That's fucking selfish, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like this idea that, oh, Samantha's so selfish because she just wants to have this fun life. It's like, who fucking cares? And how is it, how does it impact you? Having kids is selfish if you just want a little mini me of yourself. Everything is selfish because people are selfish. So whatever your decision is, it is a selfish choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Greg, before you had children, um, did you have any feelings like Carrie and Miranda in the scene? Like, did you ever wonder if you'd make a good dad or wonder if like this was right for you before you kind of settled down and had children? No, I always wanted it. I always wanted it. That's cute. I always wanted it. But I also, but I knew I wasn't, I wasn't, I hadn't met anybody and like I wasn't ready. How old were you when you had children? 35 was my first one. And, and somebody stole our baby name. Oh my God! Then you wife, told them my, the my, name. My wife had told somebody at a at a, I think it was had told another mom. Oh like, my God! My daughter's name. My daughter. My my, my first daughter's name is uh, True. <gasps> Bella True Baron True. We call her True. Uh huh. And this person named their kid. Their baby came first, and they named their kid True. Are you still oh friends with them? Oh my God! They were no. They're um. They're dead to uh, us. You dropped them. They were, well, they were like a, no, they were just a, like a friend, like somebody we met, like somebody she met at the party that she'd met, a, she'd met a couple times, but they were not friends. That's so lame. Shady, man. My aunt took, uh, I, 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 this is not how I feel. Wait, you're, you say your daughter, oh, Bella. Okay. It's, her name's my, uh, Bella True, but True. My, yeah. my, my baby name for a while was Stella, which now everyone's naming their kid Stella, but at the yeah. time it was very, it was very fashion forward. <laughs> And yes. uh, my aunt named her dog Stella after I told her that. And I was like, well, that's that's, that's done. Do you have a baby name, Jamie? Not a little bit, but it's just my grandmother's name. What is it? Eleanor. That's really cute. Eleanor's a good name. Ellie's a cute little Ellie's nickname. Ellie's cute. Yeah. It's, I also like um, Ezra. We named know, our second e child Mighty, so it's true and mighty. And, so mighty. and nobody and nobody took her. Nobody there took Mighty's. Go. Nobody's taking Mighty's name. Cool good. Name. No one's taking Mighty's good. name. Good. Okay, shall we proceed? Yeah, let's proceed. Okay, kick it off. Before Carrie has a chance to take her pregnancy test, Lainey calls to apologize about being a bitch at the baby shower. Lainey confesses that she misses running around New York with the gals. Carrie tries to comfort her, but she has to get off the phone so she can make it to a party at Samantha's house. Lainey wants to come to the soiree, but Carrie doesn't exactly invite her. Sorry, not sorry. Feeling belittled by the Connecticut clones, Samantha gets her revenge by throwing an I don't have a baby shower to celebrate all perks of being childless, namely drinking and fucking strangers. While the party is in full swing, who stops by to make things weird? Lainey. Hey, you guys, the entertainment has arrived. What are you doing here? What I do best. Farting. Maybe we better sit down. (laughs) Fuck no. Somebody get me a drink. Oh, I don't know, lady. You think that's a good idea? Fuck yeah. I'm due any day. What's one little drink gonna matter? Help me go into labor. <laughs> she gives birth on that couch. She buys it. What are you 
doing here? What is she doing here? I missed you guys. Oh, us? us? The pathetic, live-for-the-moment New York single girls who think that life is a Jacqueline Suzanne novel? Look, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what is your problem? My problem? Just that I had a dream and you killed it in a nutshell. Really? Well, then you're lucky because at least you know what happened to your dream. I have absolutely no idea what happened to mine. That line, I'm sure you get this all the time, but what is your problem? Can we all use that at least once to our enemies? It's, it's so That's fantastic. Great writing. It's really good. It is. It's so yeah. fucking I'm good. I'm sure you get this all the time. But what what's is your problem? your problem? That's so fucking good. It's yeah. so good. Bravo, hats off to Greg yeah. and the rest of the team. Uh, I, I wasn't there for this. He one. wasn't there for this, I wasn't right? There yet. He was in spirit. Yeah, they, yeah, could, yeah. they could feel that Greg, you're they were you're, channeling. They you. were channeling. They were because my wife worked in the record industry and signed bands. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Lainey in this episode. I don't think she stripped. I was gonna say. I don't think she fucked. I don't know. She didn't fuck bands. She, she just, didn't uh, have. She didn't stop the whole. She know, didn't bring Greg. the whole party to yeah, a screeching halt. Of. That's right. That I know of. To That's right. bring this party to a screeching halt just to like yeah. remove her shirt. Like yeah. it's like the grand finale of. She had great tits, by the way. Unbelievable. That I think woman, it was a stunt double, though, because I mean, she had great boobs, the girl who played her. But then they cut away in this weird way where I was like, oh, I think they like she didn't actually take out her her boobs on camera. Yes, you're probably right. But also that's that like camera shot was so porny oh, it was yeah. like this like crazy and do you they, remember that they literally cut like her head wasn't part. in it yeah 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 they did they cut just to the boobs just to the boobs yeah right. it was so very Skyler's it was very like uh, it was very like porkies of them like it was very just like close <laughs> on the tits <laughs> great reference it also just really felt like Around this time was like when HBO was getting that reputation for like it's where you go to see boobs. Like they the call it the crunchy opening. It. I it learned was like really. That's it so felt funny. Like that. But I think <laughs> it was also because, and not that they knew they could be syndicated, but you can take that out if it's cu- if you cut away, then you just have the headshot. You just never show that. You can pull it out. It's easy to just cut yeah. it out. What did you guys think of the scene? Of her, yeah, the I whole mean, thing. Lainey in general, I think, is kind of a tragic figure. Yeah, um, she's tragic because. I, yeah, I mean, I think she brought up something for me, which is just like there's sort of like life before kids and life after. And like you can't have any remnants of the old irresponsible you once you bring a life into this world. And I think right. that that's the thing that's a that's a bummer is that like we really do have like that was the old me and this is the new me. And it's like why I, I'm not saying that you should be taking your tits out at parties before babies Jamie, you or after take your par- tits out of parties. But it is kind of sad that she feels so like. I can't be who I was in this way that, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It, it made me sad just in a, gen- a general feeling that it's sad that people feel that way. Like they have to divorce themselves from who they used to be prior to kids. What do you think, Greg? I think, well, I'll say that the staff, I think at this point, nobody on the staff, there's, we don't, there's not a married person on the staff. Or a oh, person yeah. with a child. Okay. So there is that sort of, of cynicism fear. about what marriage is and what that life is. And so, so if you don't know it, you don't write it, right? You write yeah. what you think you know. Of course. That's so and interesting. And so, you know, that, that that character would want to come back and take her boobs out is strange, sort of. I mean, I think, but but also, um, uh, yeah, they're kind of, I, I don't know, they're kind of making fun of her a little bit. And they're, and, and, and it's, so it's, it, it is, I think it's, a, I think it's darker than it needs to be. I find it, I find that scene really awkward. And, I think it's and good like, awkward. It, yeah, yeah. It goes it's like on for a bit. embarrassing, yeah. Um, but the point that they're taking, driving home, I don't agree with entirely. What, you, what you're saying, which is that the remnants of your old life are now gone and you're, you, 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 uh, 
uh, you, you fail to have the potential as a sexual being afterwards. Right. Right. Like, like, like there's something gross about you or nobody wants to see pregnant boobs or nobody wants to see a pregnant body. Like it's really kind of I don't think it would get written today. I also think that, Absolutely not. that there's something interesting. It's really interesting what you're saying, Greg, that the entire writing staff is single and living these like fabulous single lives because it's understandable why they'd sort of like make marriage look really shitty. But it's also interesting to me, like that the idea of changing and growing is seen to be really sad because it's like to me, the idea of going to parties, getting drunk and fucking people until I die sounds really depressing. And there's a reason that you leave that stuff in your 20s or mid 30s or whenever you leave it because you're evolving and evolving and liking different things than you did isn't tragic. It means you're a person like if you always liked the same things like that would be weird. Like it's fine to have your values and your things change. That doesn't make you like not yourself anymore. You die and become reborn every day. Yeah. Like, in my opinion. Well, they draw some solid lines here. Like, I mean, you go from, you know, you go from that girl being at a party and in, in, in an apartment in New York to this house where everybody looks like they're going to be on the Ellen show. You know, like it's, it's just Seriously. a lot of khakis and white. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like Oprah's sunroom. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And, um, uh, and they're all caricatures of what it's like to have a baby. You know, and um, and lots of people have had babies. Cool people have had babies. Like, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> oh, that's such a funny thing to say. You know, cool, cool people, people have had babies. Cool people have had babies. Yeah. And gone on to continue yeah, to Miranda be cool July things. Yeah, has a baby and so does Bjork. Oh, my God. Right. Anything's Bjork has possible. a baby. That'd be yeah. so funny. If Bjork has a baby, then everyone can have a baby. Wait, what if Bjork yeah. had a baby and then immediately was like modeling for Ann Taylor Loft? Oh, my God. <laughs> Talbots. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Just wants to get a shift at, Kinko, at uh, Chico's. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I it's a. Uh, but I do have to say, like, my sister, who's my best friend, has a baby, and sh and she's very cool. She's like a hip artist in New York that does like experimental video art. But she definitely has become a little bit more mom boring, and I say that as somebody who's dog boring. But like, we still have to have like forty five minutes conversations about sleep training, and and she's like the super hipster artist. So even if you're cool and hip, you still are obsessed with these things. I think that is actually what is scary uh, when you're like, you know, again, childless because you, whoop, whoop. you yeah, whoop, whoop. <laughs> but you also, yeah, when you, when you realize how much people are invested again in the minutia of their child, you're seeing it as like, wow, if I decide to do that, that, that is going to happen. You that, just will. Of course. My brain is going to go to like, yeah, diaper talk. Uh, sleep training, sleep training, eating, yeah, breastfeeding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just going to be like a lot of like nipples and <laughs> nipple and chat, nipple juices, <laughs> a lot of different like juices and, and right. things coming right. coming out of orifices. Having, having to pump before you go places, right. and exactly. Having, Scheduling, having that stuff be yeah. around. I think it makes people feminist too, because my sister's like all of a sudden she's like, oh my god, there's I work with all men. There's nowhere to pump at work, and just also realizing like. Not everybody gets like this country is so bad to working mothers. And like the fact that like a guaranteed childhood leave is not even a thing for men and that like it's right. They the, get two weeks. The max for women is is pretty small. It's, it all, I also think pregnancy makes a lot of people even more feminist than they already were because you're like, wait a minute, how are single moms doing this? How are poor people doing this? How are people without jobs? Right. That, it's like, unifying. It's so hard, it seems. Yeah, no, it's diff It's really difficult. And it's also just quite an event for any woman. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a massive event. It's massive. It's the body like, event. Can't be understated. It just cannot be understated. And there's no possible way as a man, you can have any comprehension of it whatsoever. What, what, there's no comparable other thing that you also did. Wow. That's so interesting. Like, have a baby. Really. In like, a good way. 
you know, yeah. I mean, I think like I, I you really can experience different kinds of pain and you can experience different kinds of love, but you can't have this whole full body experience that a woman has and then expect it to be and expect them to be on the different on the I mean, not, not be different on the other side of it. It, it, it has to change. And I was always a life changing thing, but it is a life changing thing. Do you it think really it is. makes your relationship to your kids different? Like because she had the kids, like uh, do you still feel like you're as close or something? No. I don't feel like I'm as close. I mean, I, I love them to the maximum of capacity that I can love them, but I don't think we have the same relationship. Wow. I also think that, like, God, imagine if, like, birth, like childbirth wasn't, if you didn't have to do that, if it was mm. always, like, ever, you know, even, like, let's say you didn't even have to have a C-section. You just, like, blink and the baby comes out. <laughs> I wonder if we would be, like, as attached no. to our no. children. Like, no, you're, that like, your body has been hazed. Like, you were initiated. Oh, yeah, no. You were initiated into, like, the wow. fucking no, fraternity a, we'd have the of same motherhood. Thing we have for dogs. We'd, have a, we'd have a pound for babies where people were taking them back and going, that's not what I wanted it's at all. Not, wow. it's, it's, it's too not much. Working. It's, wow, it's yeah. a lot. It's a super lot. Wow. But the fact that childbirth is like this, it's like in stand up terms, it's like the ultimate like fucking mic drop where you're like, oh, like I just like shit just got fucked up. I'm in it to win it. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's it's amazing. It can't really be understated. And uh, and so it's understandable that people want to talk about it while they're going through it because there's no other thing to do. You know, that's their it's your life. One thing I think is really cool right now is that like women are talking about it female comedians like Ali Wong and Amy Schumer, like, I feel like it's so cool that there is like a funny, edgy, sassy dialogue around it. Because like, it's so important. And it's like so many of us are going to go through it. It's so cool to have these iconic comedians giving their takes. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's definitely like it's made it more acceptable to kind of be like, this is how I'm really feeling. Um, OK, you want to want to yeah. wrap us up? Absolutely. Wrap up the epi? Desperate to prove she's still fun, Lainey stands in the middle of the party and announces that she's going to take off her shirt. Everybody's weirded out, and while Lainey starts unbuttoning her top, she realizes she can't do it. Carrie puts Lainey in a cab, and she apologizes for not being fun anymore. Carrie tells her it's totally okay to change. And in the last scene, Carrie sits at a park bench watching children play, trying to imagine if she could be a mother one day, and if motherhood is even something she wants. On the way home from the park... Carrie gets her period. And that brings us to the end of the episode. And now we're going to answer the question of the episode. But I wondered, what was still buried deep inside the mommies downstairs? What does that mean? I think she means like all these moms who like have given everything up to be moms. Like, like, do they all have secret yearnings to like go back to their old life? Or or are they all sacrificing like their true selves? She's kind of asking like what's going on with the mom's at Connecticut. Yeah, I think that we've definitely touched on this, but I think that, uh, yeah, I feel like it's just a constant questioning. I'm sure I don't think that any woman is ever going to be like, this is this is the choice. And there are I don't think about it. And this is my life. And it's just like not the human experience. I feel like especially for women, we're always just like questioning and wondering if we did the right thing. I think it's also a little bit like, why am I not like that? Yeah. Why are they, why, how come they can do that and I don't want to? Is there something wrong with me that I don't, I that, that I don't want to do it? Because she's like that throughout the series. She's, that, really she, there are certain things that just don't click for her as the way, what, what people like and what people don't. You know, she likes what she likes. That's obviously. so cool. So in that, she's like, what is deep down there that allows them to be that thing? And I can't be that thing. Right. Am I broken? Am I missing? Am I missing something? Am I broken? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I I think it is a little bit of, am I broken? I have 
to say, as somebody who does have like intense maternal instincts that I've had since I was a kid, because I have a lot of little sisters that I took care of and I, from a young age, felt very like I loved being a mother figure and knowing that I want to have kids. I, I feel like in some ways I'm jealous of people that don't want to have kids because mm. it's such a huge amount of time, money, wrecks your body. It's like, it's such a huge thing. Right, but the decisiveness, it's hard not to envy that. I have a friend that has so many guitars. And he and his wife travel all the time. Oh, my God. No, the stuff, the amount of stuff, like, and the, and the one thing we come up with is they never had kids. That's the thing. And 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 and, and they're happy to have not had kids. I, they seem happy enough to me. I don't judge them for it. Mm-hmm. And then they have so much cool shit. Wow. And they have such a cool home. And, and I forgot, like, oh, my God, there That's it is. Why. It's just. Yeah, they saved all the college money. It's also kind of like, you know, what's going on right now all over our country with all these, like, insane abortion bans and, you know, us mm. becoming kind of like this um, Handmaid's Tale thing is like ha- like having a kid if you can't afford it or don't want to is kind of like a prison sentence and like that's why I think it's even though I don't personally relate to it that's why I think it's revolutionary that Carrie Miranda and Samantha all seem either ambivalent or uninterested because having a kid is kind of historically a way to like control women and if you want to do it then it's not then it's empowered but I think it's really cool to see people take a stand against something that for so many people isn't a very empowering experience and at least to like be questioning it and pretty much all angles I really felt like this episode did a really good job of expressing the fears that women have surrounding like bringing another life into their situation yeah We end every episode uh, with a segment called I'm Horny For. Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. What are you horny for, Rose? Um, Well, this is Pride Weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, two of my sisters are queer. A bunch of my closest friends are lesbians. And uh, we would not be sitting here if it wasn't for gay people because uh, the show is created by gay men. So I'm really horny for my queer brothers and sisters and Uh, All my queer inspirations, Uh, queer people have created so much of the best culture out there, music, film, playwriting, art. And um, I'm a very proud ally and I'm very proud of my uh, my LGBTQ fam. Love it. Yeah. What are you horny for this week? I am horny. Oh, I know what I'm horny for. I saw uh, Mindy Kaling's movie Late Night. How is it? I think it is a near perfect movie, and oh. I don't say that lightly. I thought you were going to say nightmare because you said n- near perfect. Wow! I, yay! I am. T- I was watching it. Just I was like l- physically like leaning forward wow. towards the screen at the movie theater. It is so beautifully written. It has a couple of, you know, longer sort of monologue pieces um, with her character, but also Emma Thompson, who's just so dynamic and funny and smart and connected and makes me want to be a better actor in truly every way and Mindy's so like warm and their connection is so great I just it also I will say is very much my world I am a television writer I am a woman in comedy it is about those things and do you want to give a one sentence logline for people who've never heard of this movie uh yes sure so late night which um I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but I believe it'll still be in theaters. Um, And if not, you can, you know, get it where you get your movies at home. Um, It is uh, written and written by and starring Mindy Kaling. And it is about um, a late night television host, a female late night television host uh, played by Emma Thompson. And um, 
she's kind of struggling with keeping her show relevant. That's kind of all I want to say. Yeah. Um, And Mindy is hired as the only female writer on an all white male writing staff. Great. Can't wait to see it. It is just so well done. I, man, I, I, huh? Can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. I think you'll love it. And I also heard some people's, you know, obviously with every movie, people are like, I don't know. I didn't like this part. I heard specific parts that I might sort of bump up against. And I just was like, no, it's really well done. I think when you're in comedy, it's really hard to watch movies or TV about comedy. You know, whatever. I was in Crashing. I I literally like lived and breathed writing about my experience as a comedian. And then I had to act as a comedian on a show about comedy. Sometimes it can feel a little like emotionally incestuous where you're just like, oh, that's my world. I don't necessarily want to also be writing about it. I kind of just want to experience it because it's my life. And in this case, I didn't feel that at all. I was just like, thank, thank somebody. Thank you, Mindy Kaling, for um, just articulating this so beautifully. And it's just a great story. Greg, what are you horny for? Man, mine's so small compared to all of this. I just really like the new Silver Sun Pickups record. Oh, I love that. I love them. Tell us about it. Uh, I love them too. If you like the Silver Sun Pickups, they don't disappoint. This sounds like them. It's I, I, I can't explain. If you're not a fan, they're similar to the Smashing Pumpkins, but better. They're from Silver Lake. Ooh, uh, 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 it's a uh, It's a uh, two white guys, an Asian guy and a girl plays bass yeah and i've seen them live before fucking great they are they're great and they're i got to do a show with them once and uh it was a it was for children and it was me and then them and uh and the singer said to me uh you're not gonna open with your aid stuff are you and i went you're the funniest person i've ever met and now i'm in love with you even Aww. more that he thought that i would open with my aids material for children which i don't have aids <laughs> material <laughs> It was just a dark, weird thing to say to me at a children's event. And I'm like, now I like you. You're funnier than me now. I like you. So Shout I love that. Shout out to Silver Sun Pickups. Yeah. Shout out to the Silver Sun Pickups. What's yeah. that album called? Do you know? Uh, or whatever. Well, we can, we can, you know. It's the newest one. It's the I can't latest. Remember. The yeah. one from 2019. Yeah, it's the one from 2019. Got it. And it just, it just came out literally the 7th. It just came out. So Amazing. Yeah, it's really, really good. Greg, thank you so much for being here. Oh Where God, can people it. find you on on social media? All those things. Uh, my my Instagram is it's it's Gregers I T S G R E G G E R S. It's Gregers, and then uh, and then uh, Twitter is uh, Gregory Barron. But I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram. That's yeah, what I do. Gram's same. Best. Yeah, we love it. I, I do the gram, and that's you were it. so great. And thank you so much for sharing these fabulous little gems yeah. we had no idea yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. a treat! Thank uh, you yeah. so much. You, anytime, guys. Anytime. Okay. Well, we'll take you up on that. We are. Yeah, you're coming back on this pod, whether you like it or not, buddy. Well, I don't know you well enough, so I can't say I love you to Greg, but I love Jamie. I love you. I love Greg. Okay, I love you too. Okay, then. we all love, love each other. Too. Okay, okay great. Bye. Bye. for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. you nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>